I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. This is the first Sunday of Advent, so Happy New Year. Uh, This standard liturgical joke uh, for Anglicans and others who observe the liturgical calendar. Advent is the beginning of the new year, and so this is New Year's Day, as far as we're concerned. And um, the church put the new year at this point in the calendar, I think very deliberately, because the, the, the cycle of the church year is a metaphor for the spiritual journey. Um, and the spiritual journey starts in darkness, starts in darkness, starts in Advent. As the themes of this season go through the darkness of the year, northern hemisphere granted, darkness of this year leading to the darkest point in the year being the 21st of December, where we put Christmas right, right around there. So that the lead up as the earth gets darker and darker for us to the darkest point becomes the metaphor of the beginning of the spiritual journey, where if we are waiting and we are thinking about Christ being born in our hearts, it usually can only happen if our hearts have been hollowed out in some way, either through the circumstances of our life making us desperate and saying, I need something because this, what I'm doing, ain't working, which is a classic conversion story, or simply because you've recognized Um, in yourself, your need for God. And so you need to hollow out all the things that get in the way of God in order to create a place for God to take root. And and all of those mechanisms are true. And so the cycle of the church year begins as we get near the darkest point in our experience. And we cycle around again and again because this is not a one-time story in our life. We cycle through periods of darkness and light. And as we go back into another period of darkness in our life, um, the message is the same. It's that there's still something in you that needs to be hollowed out to create the space for Christ to be born. And so all the readings through this season are thematic. They're not like in ordinary time when we've just picked a book of the Bible and we work our way through it. These readings are absolutely designed to revolve around these great themes of Advent. So, first themes today are essentially about Jesus' coming, we don't know when, be ready, be a child of light, don't be a child of darkness. Keep awake. And I have, you know, there are great traditional hymns for this season and so forth about keeping awake. And there's a way of putting together those themes, and the point of my thoughts today is that I I can't put those themes together in a way that many Christians do. And the way that many Christians put those themes together is that Jesus is coming again literally on a day in the calendar and is going to take over and be the king that we need and smash up all the bad guys and create a thousand-year reign where he makes everything right. And if you say anything bad about him, he will chop off your head magically with his laser beams from his eyes because he's the kind of leader that we need. So it's an, it's an authoritarian's fantasy, right? And from that authoritarian's fantasy, um, this image of Jesus coming again, and you'd better be awake and you'd better be ready because you are going to be afraid of Jesus because you don't want to be on the wrong side of him when he comes. I mean, it's, the message is one of a fear. And that's not the Jesus who I met. That's my problem with that, you know, and I'm not inclined to be a fundamentalist anyway. I've always been pro-science and metaphor and all that stuff since I was a child. And, and, but I have met Jesus. I've met Jesus in my heart, in my experiences, and I've had religious experiences. I know that Jesus is real and that I met him. 
I know that. And the Jesus that I met is not a terrifying authoritarian. That's it not, not like Elon Musk, but with more money. You know? Not, that's not who I serve and love. Right? So there's a different idea of who Jesus is. Christ is the king, yes, but a different kind of king. And it's inescapable once you start dealing with these themes through the scripture and putting them together. One of the inescapable themes is that Jesus isn't the king that we wanted. Because we wanted Elon Musk with more money. We did. We want someone to come in and stick it to the people we hate. That, that's what we want, really. And Jesus wasn't that. And so even at the end of our last season on Christ the King Sunday, the reign of Christ, where we celebrate that eschatological hope, the point is made very clearly in the readings that Christ on the cross is Christ enthroned. That's not the king that we wanted. That's the king that we got. A very different notion of what that kingship's about. And as that theme continues through the Advent, we think about the coming king, and he's coming as this vulnerable infant in poverty, in a place that nobody else would be. Not at the inn, not in the palace, in the stable. That's the king that's coming. That's who we're preparing for. So this is the Christ that we are, that we didn't want, but that we got, and who we need. Because God knows what we need more than we do. We think we want a, a tyrant that'll be our tyrant. But what we need is transformation. And that's the Messiah that we got, was a Messiah of transformation. Now, if you get away from that fundamentalist perspective about a day on the calendar and being scared and all the rest of it, what do we do with these themes about being, wake, being wakeful and watchful and not knowing the day or the hour? And I, so the point of my reflections today is to say what I do with that, and you can take them under advisement. Um, what I do with that is related to some other ideas that I've picked up. Uh, I mean, the Celts had this notion of thin places. Now I'm going to start there, where there's this notion that certain places are thin, T-H-I-N, which is to say that the boundaries between the physical world and the spiritual world are thin there. So the spiritual world interpenetrates into the physical material world in ways that are kind of powerful in these places. And so you have ley lines and crossings and so forth, and, and a lot of this sort of idea that certain places are sort of imbued with more spirituality than others. The boundaries are thin. And as Christians, we kind of carry some of that. We think of uh, worship as being a thin place. When Christians gather in faith to remember Jesus and share the meal that he gave us, the boundaries between earth and heaven collapse, and we are interpenetrated with the Holy Spirit who comes into our community. It's the same notion. Um, we, we have thin places. We have thin times. This worship time is a thin time. We have thin people. We ordain people to say, you know, that the hard thing that we carry as ordained people is that we don't, we're not just hired to do a job. We're hired to be something. And we're all inadequate in the face of what we know we are called to be. And it's the being that is supposed to be that, that thinness, that place where sacredness comes into the room when we come into the room. And, and we, we relate to that. We're human beings like everybody else, and we're uncomfortable with it and so forth. I remember, sorry, I'm getting into my anecdotage. You're going to get an anecdote. Um, 
my father is a priest, my grandfather is a priest, I have multi-generational lore that I've just had downloaded into my system. I got my dad to preach at my deaconing when I, when I was made a deacon. My move from the laity to the, to the clergy was at, when I was ordained a deacon, my dad was the preacher, and he reflected beautifully on clergy and swearing. <laughs> Do clergy swear, right? Well, no. Clergy can't swear because swearing is profane and you're supposed to be sacred. And so you can't, you might have sworn before, but you can't swear now, right? And some clergy are, well, I'm just like everybody else. I can swear all I want. And they have the filthiest mouths in private that you've ever heard because they, they reject and are reacting to that expectation. But that's us struggling with the thinness of the order. That, that at some level we can't escape that, that when we are identified and called and put into a leadership position in holy things, that our job is to be thin. Now, this thinness idea that there are thin times and thin places and thin people goes toward this idea, particularly in time when it comes to temporal matters, with this Greek idea of kairos. That there is, there is chronos time, which is the time on a calendar or on a clock, it's linear, it goes past to future. And then there's kairos time, which is the thin times, when eternity intersects with the clock and the calendar. That there are particular moments when we are connected to all things, all times and all places. We say that the Eucharist is a kairos moment. That in the Eucharist we are brought together with all those who have celebrated before us and all those who will celebrate after us and we are all made one in the blood of Christ. We're all together in that moment. Time collapses and it's that moment of kairos time. And this again picks up that notion there, that there are times when there is this, the ability of, the, uh, of God to break through. Um, and change and, and have an effect and an impact on everyday, ordinary human physical life. And these times are Kairos times. Now, if that's not a particular day on the calendar still yet to come, the Kairos time of Christ coming again, if that is something more subtle and, um, and, and metaphorical, then, then the, the business of staying awake is not because you don't want to miss the day on the calendar. It's because this might be a Kairos time and you're not paying attention. That, for me, is the point of this theme of the first Sunday of Advent. The, the reality of eternity is that it is always present. Any moment could be a Kairos moment. And yes, our experiences go up and down. We feel closer or farther away to God from moment to moment and day to day. But God is never far from us. God is always present. Theoretically and philosophically, every moment is a Kairos moment. If only we are paying attention. And so this Advent season, the message for me, and, and I live the opposite of this, promise you, I'm asleep most of the time. I can promise you this. And in fact, the word that I like is sleepwalking. That metaphor of sleepwalking where you're kind of moving around and you might even talk, but you are totally asleep. And that is a metaphor for how I spend a lot of my life. That's how a metaphor, that's a metaphor for how a lot of us spend a lot of our life. Sleepwalking through it. You can sleepwalk into calamity. We all know this. You can sleepwalk into marriage breakdown. You can sleepwalk into bankruptcy. You can sleepwalk into war. And it's the sleepwalking 
the not paying attention, the not attending to the kairos, to the the potential of God to break through at any moment that is the problem. And so every advent, it's it's not Jesus is coming, look busy. It's not the point. The, the, The point is Jesus is here and you're missing it. Jesus, Jesus is right here, right in you, right in me, right on the folks on the street that have no place to go. Jesus is right here and we're missing it because we're not paying attention. We are marrying and giving away in marriage, eating and drinking, quarreling and fighting as we do. Um, and we're missing it. And Jesus is already here and Jesus is coming both, both at the same time. And that's, that's where I live That's what I tell myself. I am preaching to myself right now because I need to hear it. Uh, Sleepwalking is way too easy. Um, And so I share that reflection with you. It is Advent. Sleepers wake. Um, Sorry, what's the great line from the hymn? Sleepers wake, the time is coming. Da-da-da-da. No, no, it's not that one. It's Bach. Anyway, I was going to have a great reference, very highbrow, and it's gone. Uh, the great Advent hymn, Bach wrote the tune. It's in the blue hymn book. It's called Sleeper's Wake. Read it. It's fabulous. Um, it would have been good today if it were a choral Sunday. Um, but, uh, but, but in the end, Sleeper's Wake, because Christ is here and we're missing it. And that, for me, is the takeaway of Advent. Every moment is a potential Advent if we are paying attention. A voice astounds us. Thank you. That's the next line that I couldn't remember. Sleepers wake, a voice astounds us. The voice is calling, and we would be astounded if only we listened. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.